Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Knight and this is My Seminary Life, the show where I recap the things I'm studying in grad school right now. Let's get started. We are now in the final stretch for Discipleship Methods. We are on week five of eight as we continue to look at what is discipleship and how should the church be properly implementing discipleship into the life of their people. It's been discouraging. (laughs) It's been good. Um, And this week, we're going to talk about Something that I think is kind of a hot-button issue within discipleship, one that maybe has been kind of downplayed up until this point, and that is one-on-one versus group discipleship. Apparently, I did not know this, but apparently this is kind of a big deal. This is kind of a, there's there's biblical arguments one way or another, there's people are, I wouldn't say they're getting heated, but there's there's people drawing lines in the sand on our forum posts. I mean, it's it's kind of gotten a little intense, so I guess we're going to talk about it. What do you think? One-on-one versus group discipleship. In your own life, have you seen more so a one-on-one environment or a group discipleship environment? And are you ready to defend it biblically one way or the other. That's what we got going today. Will we actually go 30 minutes? I kind of doubt it, but that's what we got going today. Uh, If you're jumping in for the first time, uh, like I said, we've been talking about discipleship. Uh, We've deconstructed, redefined what discipleship is. We've looked at uh, a number of different hindrances, eight different hindrances that churches often face when it comes to their discipleship uh, ministry. And then last week, I talked to my pastor at my church who is in charge of this ministry and interviewed, the, interviewed him for a paper to take a critical look at how my church is doing in this process. So that's kind of the run-up of where we're at right now. So if anything, today's episode is the first time that we're getting very technical maybe is the right word. When you, when you hear a class called Discipleship Methods, what, you've, what you would probably imagine going into it, at least I did, I did a little bit going into this class, is that there is going to be a, these are the different modes and methods and practices that you can do in discipling somebody. This is how you lead someone through a Bible study. This is how you teach someone how to pray. Things like that was kind of more of what I thought we were going to be getting into. But similar to the spiritual formation class I took way back at the beginning of this podcast, coming up on our one-year anniversary, ladies and gentlemen, the excitement is in the air, looking at you, March. But we're looking all the way back at spiritual formation back in March. You know, that was kind of the same thing of like, no, we're not just going to launch right into spiritual disciplines. We're going to take the majority of the class of actually like getting back to what spiritual formation actually is technically, and it's not just going to read your Bible. There's more to it than that. And similarly here at Discipleship Methods, these past several weeks, we've been really more so breaking down and rebuilding a mind structure of what discipleship is supposed to look like. So that way then today, as we get into this topic of one-on-one versus group discipleship, 
we're actually talking a little bit more of like the fundamentals of like, okay, how do you do this? So let's, so let's start there. How have you been discipled or how have you discipled other people? I go back to college when it comes to this conversation, and that's where a lot of my forum post was written, because I have done both. I have led one-on-one discipleship environments, and I have led group discipleship environments. And I would say both have their plus and minuses. You know, in the in the one-on-one, it definitely has the vibe of a little bit more intimate, of like you, you two are dealing with one, you know, you're dealing with one specific person in their life trying to help shepherd them, coach them along to be more like Jesus, and you can really narrow in on specific portions of that person's life rather than in a group setting where you're, you're going to have people who are more all over the place and you kind of have to figure out how do I shepherd a group that is in so many different places. How do I bring you all together so that way we can grow as a group, so that way the coaching can continue without it being like, you know, some people are falling behind, other people are like running ahead. You know what I mean? <clears throat> On the flip side, though, one-on-one discipleship, I felt a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure to deliver. Like in these one-on-one group discipleship settings that I have led, I have felt, you know, just sitting across from this person, staring at me, especially when they have approached me about doing the discipleship and not me approaching them about, you know, here I want to disciple you, but them coming to me to ask to be discipled by me. I felt so much pressure. Like I had to deliver. Like I got to make sure that this person is John Calvin by the end of the year or I have failed not even Jesus, like John Calvin, <laughs> like, I got to make sure that this person is, this, this person grows. And you just kind of have like this ping pong match back and forth of a dialogue. And you, ju- I just am like, is this working? Is this doing anything? What's going on here? Why am I so nervous doing this? Like, it's just so stressful. Just having that person stare you down and like, I want to become like you. That's weird. Like, I don't know. But in the group setting, it's a little bit different. I actually feel less pressure in a group setting. And it's because, obviously, when you have multiple people, (coughs) especially spiritually mature people who want to be there, who or who want to be there, or who want to grow, or whatever the situation may be, when they are there because they want to be, that's what I'm saying, Um, What you have there then is as dialogue begins, they can ping pong off of each other. You kind of go from like a ping pong match to a pinball machine. So rather than just like knocking the ball back and forth through each other, the ball is bouncing around, bouncing around. And yeah, like maybe rabbit trails or like, you know, side conversations get started and then I have to like bring everybody back together. But like... Doing this type of discipleship in a group, then everyone's kind of feeding off of each other. And I have more fond memories of the group discipleship that I led at in college 
of times where I basically just sat back and would just ask questions. I was, <laughs> I barely teach some night taught, barely taught some nights because we were just, I would start the conversation and the guys would kind of take it and go, 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 go. And then maybe the conversation would start to die down. So I would ask another question and it would go, go, go. I have more fond memories of that or like just the guys being really tired and drained from school and life. So instead of a lesson, we just kind of like get together and just pray, have some quiet time uh, together for intentional prayer to get through this season. Like I have more fond memories of that than I do the one-on-one. I don't have any fond memories of how the one-on-one discipleship worked. Now this is all just like my experience. And right now my wife and I, we are leading a small group at our home. It is a smaller small group. This group I led in college was was our dorm. And I think there was at best 12, maybe 12 guys at best that would come out for this each week. Right now, it's my wife and I and then two other couples. So there's six of us. And I think because we're like a brand new group, I have felt a little bit of pressure of like, okay, we got to make sure that this is good, that people are interested. But what is shocking to me is that just like, it's not that everyone's taking leaps and leaps and bounds in their growth already, but it's just like shocking to me in the best possible way, like how much people are already like invested in it. One of the couples is like, we've been in a couple different small groups already before, and this is already our favorite one. Like, we feel so comfortable. We feel like this is a place where we can share things. Maybe it helps that we always have food, and I usually have The Simpsons or Adventure Time on when they get, when people show up. Maybe that helps. I don't know. But, like, just, like, the the environment is right for them. Or another couple, they... You know, we were in a small group with them prior to this, and in this new group, in our new group, they are like opening up and sharing and questioning things in a healthy way that Christians should at times. Asking questions is fine, friends, and they are, they too are like comfortable in this environment way quicker than I thought anyone would be. Like, no one's like. Like, no one's taking, like, leaps and bounds in their spiritual life yet. We're still, you know, working and figuring out things in that in that world. But there's already, like, a comfort level and a security in the group that is very surprising to me. <clears throat> so this is all just my experience at this point. What does the books have to say on this topic? This is this is an interesting this has been an interesting read and an interesting conversation because basically it is I got to remember it's Galati and Ogden who write mostly about this rediscovering discipleship and trans, transformation discipleship <coughs> excuse me they uh they are the ones who have highlighted this topic the most and they would argue that discipleship should be group discipleship. It should not be one-on-one. Now, there are two biblical models on 
how discipleship should take place. The first is obviously Jesus, who had a group. He actually had a huge following, and then there was like the 70 that he sent out to minister in that one section in, I think it's the book of Luke, reads about that. Then there was the 12 disciples, and then you had like Peter, James, and John, you know? So you had like this sliding scale of like intimacy and closeness to Jesus, Within, so you have the big group, the crowd, all the way down to Peter, James, and John. And they would argue that this is the biblical model to follow. The other one is Paul, because it is presented in Scripture that Paul discipled Timothy solo style. That is what a lot of people take. And normally when it when people want to talk about discipleship apparently, they primarily lean towards this model of Paul and Timothy, Paul and Silas. What Galati and Ogden argue though is that we do see examples of this like close intimate relationship between Paul and Timothy and Silas and Barnabas. But there's also instances in the book of Acts where we see that Paul and this person, it's not just the two of them on the missionary journey. There's actually like a group of people like Luke, who's writing everything down. So they would even argue that even in this Paul and Timothy dynamic, there is still a group aspect. Now, who was it? Ogden. Ogden would go as far as to say that the best type of group is a microgroup. That is his term. And we're talking three, four people tops. So even like what we're doing at my house, we've got six people. We are a big, small group, according to Ogden. I mean, we're couples, so it'd be kind of awkward to break us all up. Like one, two of you, <laughs> two of you have to leave, apparently. Um, Please don't leave. I like you guys. Um, but that is the best possible, in Ogden's mind, the best possible way to do discipleship is in a micro group. <clears throat> now, one of the students in the forum post did point out that Ogden and Galatee both really highlighted the positive aspects of group discipleship and really highlighted the negative aspects of one-on-one -on -one discipleship. In other words, it was a little skewed. Um, and so they, and this student really did argue for, no, one-on-one -on -one is the way to go because it is, I think they were arguing on the basis of intimacy. You're just able to get to know someone so much better in a one-on-one -on -one setting than in a group or in a micro-group setting. The one thing, as I continue to wrestle with this, like, group versus one-on-one -on -one mentality, the one thing that I am thankful for is that even though Ogden and Galati were both like, no, this is the way that things need to be done, you need to be doing this in groups, they are not willing to die on a hill about this. Do not add this onto your list of things to die on a hill about, Okay. That's not, this is not doctrinal, okay? Don't, don't do that. Please don't do that. Please don't walk away from this episode thinking that you have to have this certain, you have to do it this way. 
and everyone else who's doing it the one-on-one way is sinning. That's not true. We're talking more so in terms of effectiveness at this point. There is a biblical example, and we are using the Bible to build an argument one way or another, but this is not doctrinal. We're talking about effectiveness here. And since we are talking about effectiveness, what that means is, ultimately, whatever seems to work best in your context is what you need to do. If in your church or your whatever, in your church setting, if it works best for you to disciple somebody one-on-one, then do it. If it works best to do a group, then do it that way. Be mindful that maybe try to pursue a group dynamic. Maybe I back going back to the college example, I was doing one-on-one discipleship with like two or three guys. Why the thought never occurred to me to bring us all together into one group so that way I my schedule was simpler and also so that way we could, you know, some of these guys were all struggling with the same thing. So same things. So we, the thought never occurred to me to like, well, let's just bring you all together and we're going to do a group thing together. Ultimately, context. What is your context? Galatee and Ogden are both here to say that this is the preferred way to go about doing things in their mind. This is the Biblical example that you can make more of an argument for. This is the way that they have seen it experientially work more often is through group discipleship. But they are not even willing to, they they put it this way. I think they both actually use this phrase in the book, that they don't want to be that guy. Like, they actually say that phrase. They don't want to be that guy who says one-on-one discipleship is bad. Okay. So the point of this conversation today is just to think critically about how you are doing discipleship. My church, in light of the conversation we had last week, my church really does rely on the group aspect. Really, you even have that sliding scale like Jesus had with his followers of like, usually it's a big group that gets broken down into a smaller group. Follow that method. If that's what works best for you. If one person approaches you about wanting to be discipled or you approach someone to be discipled, I would say maybe be open-minded about making it a bigger group. Because who knows, you might be able to find someone else who's in a similar stage of life or has similar spiritual needs or whatever that, okay, so now you're a group of three instead of just two people. Like, I would say the point of the story today is to think critically about how this is done in your context, in your ministry, how you are carrying out, how you are being discipled, and then take take an honest look and say, okay, could this be better if it was a group? Could this be better if it was solo? Do I have a lot of solo groups? Should I maybe see if they would be okay with just meeting as one small Bible study group? That's the point of today's conversation. And I think I think that's a good place to start wrapping this up. I don't know about you, but I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Because I don't want to... I think that's all you have to say. Think critically. 
groups versus one-on-one. I would argue, personally, for groups. I think there's another Bible study small group thing that I want to get going eventually that I, at the current moment, I don't have the time to do in my life. Um, Pastor Will over at Systematic Geekology, he runs a God's, God Loves Geeks Bible study where they like read comic books and other like uh, spiritually minded geek books that, uh, they read it as a group together. They go see the new movies as they come out, and they dialogue about it. And that sounds like something I would like to do. I just, one, don't have the time to do it, and two, I don't know who would be interested at my church in doing something like that. So, got to keep my ear to the ground on that. <clears throat> All right. Well, that was a good episode. We had a lot of laughs today. But before we get out of here, uh, you may have saw yesterday, Friday that is, that on Fridays now we have the hashtag my life post where I'm just going to highlight again trying to embrace the my seminary and my life part more here on the my seminary life podcast. So Fridays now is hashtag my life where I'm just going to highlight something that went on this week. So you can go over there on uh, Facebook and Instagram to check that out, see the post over there. Um, get a little warm and fuzzy for the holidays because it is about uh, th- it's, it's actually actually it's about Christmas to tell you the truth. Um, and if my story is still up, it's also about Christmas as well. Um, but yeah, but you know what? we had a lot of laughs today. Brandon, what do you got going on this weekend? Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, we're kind of waiting to see how everybody feels uh, today and how time goes. Uh, if everything works out, I believe we might be going to see uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife or The Eternals this evening. One or the other, we're just going to have to see kind of how the day rolls. How about you? How's your class going on Sundays, Brandon? Well, it's going pretty good. We, uh, we covered the Abrahamic Covenant last Sunday. And um, we got all the students' notebooks, and they are the most studious students I've ever seen in my life, trying to seriously, like, write down every word that I say. I've had to, like, keep encouraging them to not write so much. Um, But, yeah, tomorrow we got the Mosaic Covenant, and then we will be off for the week of Thanksgiving. And then we'll finish up the first Sunday of December on the Davidic Covenant. So, yeah, it's been good. And I'm looking forward to doing something else in the spring with these teens. All right. Well, again, this has been a good chat. And uh, I got to go get some laundry done so that way we can go to the movies. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. Or head on over to the My Seminary Life Facebook page where you can write a recommendation on there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod for other fun updates throughout the week. And more than the recommendation, I would really appreciate it if you told someone you knew about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise for this show. And finally, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k for other fun faith-based content. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.